We talk a lot about the 13 colonies forming the United States, but the reality is that one of those colonies didn't want to play along. Welcome to American Esoterica. If history class gives you the eye exam, this is the staggering to your car and the extra brightness after your pupils are dilated. The essential stuff in between. The personalities, events, and other ephemera that shape our history and culture. I'm Brian Powers. When the United States Constitution was signed on September 17, 1787, it had signatures from delegates from all the 13 original colonies but one. The 13 colonies are a huge part of our lore, how they came together to challenge British rule and then formed a new nation in the aftermath. That number comes through even in our iconography. Our flag has 13 stripes on it and originally came with 13 stars as well. It's 50 nifty United States from 13 original colonies, not 50 nifty United States from 12 original colonies and one really stubborn holdout. But there was a holdout and it may have even come close to winding up as a separate country. Let's start with another fact. Until 2020, you also didn't know that you were calling the state by a non-official name. Our smallest state actually had the longest name. What is now just Rhode Island used to be the state of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. And that wasn't just some archaic distinction. It was the state's official name until it was changed in 2020 in a voter initiative. It just wasn't particularly nice to retain a name rooted in connotations of slavery. But back to the founding era. Rhode Island had always marched to a different drummer. It was the first colony to declare independence, beating the assembled colonies. It first began to show its independence from its fellow colonies in 1781 and 1782, when it refused to ratify an amendment to allow Congress to levy a national tax to pay off wartime debt. Under the Articles of Confederation, amendments had to be approved unanimously. And Rhode Island single-handedly tanked it. It was the first time that the nickname Rogue Island would attach, among some other choice words for the tiny state. As the fledgling nation endured economic hardship, everybody gave Rhode Island the stink eye. By 1786, though, Rhode Island had had enough. The Articles of Confederation were clearly a hot mess, and economic tensions in the newly minted country were coming to such a head that a new party took power in the former colony. The real problem was that the rich merchant class that had always run politics was absolutely stomping the other classes and driving them down with debt which was increasingly hard to pay off given the small size and limited resources of the state. Realizing that they outnumbered the landed gentry, the rural citizens formed a new party, the Country Party, which swept the state house and began printing paper money by the bucket load. It's kind of complicated to explain, but just printing out money wildly as they did was also not a great idea, at least to the rich people who saw their money rapidly depreciate, and the policy was starting to affect its neighbors, who looked on in horror. They quickly called for a general convention in February of 1787 to revise and amend the Articles of Confederation. One of the big reasons was to give Congress the power to curtail the money printing policies of the state legislatures. 
They didn't say it out loud, but eh, they didn't have to. It was Rhode Island's fault. The state had gotten so brazen with printing its own currency that it even tried to pay Congress with the state money, which had, of course, greatly depreciated. This put the national legislature on a collision course with a country party that had championed the state currency and was wary of any expansion of federal power, especially in the area of financial policy. When the Rhode Island legislature convened in March of 1787, it refused, multiple times, to appoint delegates to the National Convention. When the National Convention convened in Philadelphia in May, there would be no delegates from Rhode Island, which was all the more troublesome since the convention quickly decided to chuck the Articles of Confederation entirely and start on a new national government from scratch. A group of Rhode Island merchants wrote to the Constitutional Convention to beg the assembly to seat their hand-picked delegate instead of honoring the boycott from the legislature, complaining, The majority of the administration is composed of a licentious number of men, destitute of education, and many of them void of principle. In other words, the rich didn't like hearing their money get silenced and demanded special treatment. Good thing all that's changed. To be fair, everyone else was pretty upset that Rhode Island refused to participate too. Some newspapers wrote that the state should no longer be considered part of the union, while others were thrilled that there weren't Rhode Island delegates because they would surely screw everything up. Seeing how the state was faring on the national stage, the governor called a special session of the legislature to appoint convention delegates. It ended with only a strongly worded letter from the legislators about how their feelings were hurt and so they wouldn't come outside to play, essentially. They sent the letters to Congress on September 17th, the day the Constitution got signed by the delegates from states that weren't being big poopy heads. So Rhode Island actively rejected a seat at the table, but when it came time to ratify the Constitution, they kept throwing a tantrum. They tried at least 11 times to even just call a ratifying convention, failing every time. My favorite time was when they included a letter to Congress to explain the parts you know, they thought were good and would agree to. Multiple attempts in the legislature led to them just turning it over to the voters to decide directly, which also resulted in failure. Ultimately, all the states had ratified except for Rhode Island, and the clock was ticking. Either Rhode Island join up or face a financial penalty set by Congress. It was operating basically as an independent republic, and that was bad for the union that had formed all around it. The wealthy leaders in mercantile towns were starting to independently ask George Washington and Congress if their communities could secede from Rhode Island and join the Union. It was time for the state to put up or shut up for good. So what turned the tide? It happened that Congress had recommended 12 potential amendments to the Constitution be circulated to the states. For a party that had been couching its opposition to a new national government in terms of lost rights, the amendments gave it cover to change its footing and save face. Not without having just one more failed vote to hold a ratifying convention, just for old times' sake. Not that ratification was easy, either. It took several more months and ratification attempts and the threat of a literal act of Congress barring all commerce with a tiny pain in the New England before Rhode Island deigned to ratify the Constitution on May 29, 1790 almost two years after the previous state to do so. Goodness gracious, Rhode Island. Way to overcompensate.
This has been American Esoterica. All sounds were made by me, Brian Powers. Did I get it wrong? Did I get it right? Just want to talk about how country parties should include at least one tractor and not an 18th century New England populist political movement ironically devoted to the supremacy of state rights over a strong national government? Drop me a note. The address is yell at AmericanEsoterica.com. Thank you for listening and God bless America.